let's talk about the Deeks for a second. And really this rebuild job that we've seen by Steve Forbes thus far, because something that we talked about going into this year, these rebuilds can happen a lot quicker than you think. Mike Young taking a big leap from year one to year two after he was hired away from the Southern Conference. And Steve Forbes were seeing that leap from year one to year two after he left the SOCON to join Wake Forest. Do you see a common thread here? And how does it make you feel about other programs that might be making changes very soon? Maybe one that wears orange and another one that has a former Wake Forest assistant running it that wears red. Yeah, I mean, it's just the... uh... The, sort of like the, the the transfer portal as a means for being a catalyst towards rebuilding your program, right? I think we all felt pretty confident that Steve Forbes was going to turn this around at Wake Forest. He's too good of a coach. He was obviously going to improve the defense, which had been woeful under Danny Manning, and he was very clearly going to improve the talent level of the program. But, like, I kind of thought that was going to start with Carter Witt and some of these other you know, your, your high school uh, recruits and the recruiting under Steve Forbes has been good getting guys like Carter Witt and, and Cameron Hildreth into the program. Th- those are nice additions. Um, but getting a guy like Alondis Williams and Jake Laravi, getting two guys like that in the transfer portal, obviously Dallas Walton, Kadeem C and Davian Williamson a year ago, who, um, who we weren't sure if he was going to play last season, then right before the season, he becomes immediately eligible. But I mean, Steve Forbes may have gone out and found the ACC player of the year in the transfer portal. He probably found another second or third team all ACC guy in Jake Laravia in the transfer portal. And it's just a supercharger for rebuilding programs now. And like, say what you want, like whether you like the new trans, the one-time transfer rules, and obviously uh, because of the, the COVID-19 transfer policies, the NCAA, this, this almost started like a year ahead of time, but um, it is a way for a team. It's just, it's, it's the way college basketball operates, college football operates now. And it is a way for your basketball team where you can basically flip your roster over or add a really important piece and you can do it in a span of a couple of months. And it's just wild, Josh, to see where we've gone with Wake Forest, where, it, you know, 18, 19, 20 months ago, Danny Manning is still the coach. And then April 2020, Steve Forbes gets hired. And, like, they've been kind of off to the races since then. You can see them laying the foundation last season. But then they go out and to get Alonis Williams, who, what can you say about this guy? Like, he's a shoe-in for first-team All-ACC. Probably at this, at this point is the front-runner for player of the year. And anyone could have had this guy. He was like a secondary piece of Oklahoma. And he's probably going to get drafted in the first round of the NBA draft at, at this rate too. Like he's played himself into all of that. So I think for other programs that if you're looking, if you, if you sort of pan out a little bit that are considering making a coaching change or whatever, this is something that's got to be on the front of your mind, right? Is that once we make this higher, how quickly can we actually keep this thing afloat or turn it around? And the transfer portal is perhaps the lever to pull for some of that, to go out and find these kinds of guys. And look, it's not just finding these players. Like Steve Forbes has gone out. He's brought in LaRavia. He brought in Williams. He brought in Walton, Kadeem C. And he has empowered those guys, right? So it's not just going out and signing these guys. Yes, that's important. But you can see Alonis Williams playing a different brand of basketball than he's ever played before. 
and I think that's a huge, you can see Isaiah Musius, a returnee at Wake Forest, playing a different kind of basketball than he's ever played before as far as his three-point shot goes. And now you add Damari Monsanto into the mix, and now they've got another big guy on the wing that can shoot and get his own shot. You just Wake has a roster that, that is pretty unique uh, in terms of the ACC and college basketball, and a lot of it has to do with the transfer portal. And I don't want to go down this whole other route, too, but even a team like Baylor that won the title a year ago, multiple transfers in the rotation for them, Adam Flagler, Macy Oteague, Davian, William, uh, Dav- uh, Davian Mitchell. Um, no, those guys weren't, like, immediately eligible, but you bring those guys into your system, and they, they you know, you can turn a team around. And even a team like Auburn, right? Walker Kessler from, from UNC, Zeb Jasper from College of Charleston, Wendell Green from Eastern Kentucky, uh, Katie Johnson from Georgia. Like all of those guys transferred into Auburn this year. And I don't think any of those guys are going to be SEC player of the year, but they're all a part of the number one team in the country. So adds a little more, you know, ammo for this, uh, for this argument, but very impressive with what Forbes, Coach Forbes and Alanis Williams and Jake LaRavia and company have done in Winston this season. It's not random. That's that's the part that needs to be emphasized the most. But if we're now thinking that, oh, the teams at the bottom who now just make coaches changes are going to see this second leap just because we saw it with Virginia Tech and also with Wake Forest, I think might be underselling Mike Young and Steve Forbes. You told us right before the season started that if there was a coach you could take to win a basketball game based on adjustments – that you've seen that coach make over the last few years, you said you would have taken Mike Young. And I, I think he is a really, really, really good basketball coach. Steve Forbes, on the other hand, I just think is uniquely qualified, at least from ACC res- resumes, to really thrive in the one-time transfer market because he spent 11 years in JUCO and knows exactly what it's like to have his roster turnover each and every year. But also, more importantly find talent in a system that he can mesh easily, build chemistry pretty quickly with. Yeah. That's something that A&T basketball coach Will Jones pointed out to us when he joined us a few weeks ago. That's something that Forbes deserves a lot of credit for, that you not only identify this type of talent, but you integrate that talent as well in a way where chemistry is built quickly, and that's not an easy thing to do or at least it's more difficult than a lot of people give him credit for. Yeah. You, I mean, it's hard to just to, for lack of a better term, to sort of like microwave a team, microwave chemistry. Um, you kind of have to have culture in place and winning makes all of that easier. Right. But you need to have a culture in place. And that's what Steve Forbes is developing at Wake Forest right now. It's quite obvious. And what I would say beyond that too, is look, transfers are nothing new. Right. I mean, we've had transfers as part of major college athletics for a long time now, but it is the immediate eligibility impact of it that has not only sort of like made mining the transfer portal for talent and for, you know, talented, good players to be a part of your program made that more important. But there's just more guys, more women in the portal, too. Right. So, yes, there's there's because of that, there's also more competition. But it's just it's completely changed changed the game as far as the kind of the kind of players you can find available, how many of them are, and how important that's going to be for setting uh, your roster for a lot of different teams. Now it can also go sideways because we've seen a program like Louisville, right under Chris Mack, that right now probably doesn't have the best culture in the world, as evidenced by a variety <laughs> of different things, including 
Malik Williams being rather mum after the game, after the, the loss over the weekend uh, to Notre Dame about if, if the coaching staff had lost the locker room. But that's another team that also turned over a lot of their roster to immediately eligible transfers this year. And it's been, you know, mixed results as opposed to Wake Forest. Really quickly, with North Carolina playing Virginia Tech tonight, why doesn't Hubert Davis mix in more zone? You know, I'm guessing it's just it's something he you know he grew up probably playing zone defense, you know, being coached zone deep or pardon me, man to man defense in college and in the NBA. I mean, he played for some very creative coaches, including Don Nelson, who will try anything. But I'm sort of guessing he's just a product of the environment uh, that he was uh, brought up in as a player and as an assistant coach. You didn't see Roy Williams use a lot of zone. And um, I think it's something he's been a little reluctant to use. They've used zone on a total of two possessions this season. They used it one time against Wake Forest, and here's what happened. Here's maybe also why they're not playing zone. Because <laughs> Wake Forest threw the ball to Jake Laravia in the middle of the zone. He was wide open. He immediately pinged it right back out for an open three for Davian Williamson, and UNC didn't play zone again the rest of the game. So you've got to also be ready to play it. I, I, I'm imagining this is something that UNC should be practicing a little bit more. Because the issues that UNC has had defensively this year, I think a lot of it has come from how they want to defend pick and roll. We talked about these issues after the Notre Dame game. We saw them again at times against Wake Forest. What do you want to do guarding elite pick and roll creators? Blake Wesley, Alondis Williams, we'll see what they do with Darion Sebron. The zone's going to cut down on those types of pick and roll possessions to keep the ball in front, keep more guys in the lane. Um, it has flaws and it's not perfect. And, it, and look, if UNC is not going to be ready to play zone, then they shouldn't. They shouldn't play zone. But even in, even if it's not going to be their base package, if it's just something they can throw at opponents to change things up for a couple plays per half, I think it. I think it could help because overall, in some of these bad losses they've had, I don't think the process has been very good defensively.